Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. That's the best God could do. It's a question I want us, I wanted to be able to present uh, this Christmas as we really focus, and I know our nativity scenes, the one in your home, uh, the one you grew up with, the one here at our church, they're all similar, though some may argue how biblical they really are um, in some aspects of uh, the features of the nativity scene. I personally do believe that there were palm trees for those of you who don't think there were. Um, but regardless of that, uh, I want us to be able to focus on one little aspect, one small aspect, and I think it is huge, really. Um, this one piece of furniture in all of our nativity scenes that we know uh, was at the, at the original nativity, and that's the manger. And we, we have one here. Now, whether it was really made out of wood or whether it was actually a hewn-out rock, we're, we're, we're not exactly certain. Um, but what we do know is that Jesus was laid in a feed trough. That's what a manger was. It, it was a feed trough. And I want you uh, to think about just a couple things. Go back with me in our text that we read. Look at what the angel said in verse number 10. Listen to this really carefully. I think sometimes our familiarity with the story and even our familiarity with the Bible verses may rob us of an opportunity to be able to approach a text sometimes with fresh eyes. Look at verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, the city of the kingly lineage, everything in that phrase, for there is to you born in this day in the city of David. That is, that is reminding those shepherds that that root of Jesse, that prophecy has now been fulfilled, that the lineage of David, the king that would raise and set on David's throne has been born. Everything about that proclamation from those angels was glorious. 
Everything about the words that they were speaking were majestic. He is Christ the Lord. Everything represented the fulfillment of prophecy. Everything, had, everything was communicating that the Messiah has been born. Everything had been communicating that literally the Lord had arrived. Emmanuel, God with us. So the angels are telling the shepherds, the Messiah is here, the lineage of David has been born, the King has arrived, He is Christ the Lord. That is incredible. Can you imagine, I think probably the closest thing we could have to this type of an announcement, which still falls way short, please understand, the closest thing that we could get, I would imagine, to a, an announcement like this would be something that would come directly from the White House. A letter. Something like that. I mean, Regardless of your po- political persuasions, something like that would be about the closest we could get, I would imagine, to this announcement. We could understand. It would be like you receiving a, a letter that says the president would like to meet you. And we're going to meet at Denny's. Okay? No, no offense to Denny's. The president would like to meet you at 8 o'clock at the Waffle House. Dress nice. Guys, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe. Who? The Messiah, the King, the Lord, the fulfillment. You will find God as a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a feed trough. Is that the best God could do? I made you set through four laborious points last week. We have two. The first one is this. The manger was a horrible place for a king. You can jot that down. The manger, a feed trough, would have been an awful place for a king. Now, just so you know, it wasn't just about the shepherds coming and being able to uh, look for the Messiah, look for their long-awaited one, to look for Christ the Lord. If you remember, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the wise men who traveled from the east have come, and they met with Herod, and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So this was not just a message of royalty. This was not just a majestic announcement that this child uh, was not just the Lord. He was not just Christ. He was not just the the root of Jesse. He, He was also the king. So these words, verses 10 and 11 and 12 are huge in how, in how they represent to us uh, the condescension of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. We, where was Jesus just 10 months before his birth? We know where he was. 
The Bible says that he was with the Father. Jesus is God. He is eternal. He has always been and will always be. If you think about it for just one moment, I know that we consider uh, there was no room for him in the end. He was placed in a feed trough with, with straw, um, with all of those things. And we look at that and we think, man, that's, that's horrible. I wouldn't want my kid to be there. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus, 10 months before that, was with the, in, in the presence of his Father with receiving all of the eternal praise of the angels. Think about that for a moment. He was literally in heaven with his father. In this perfect, perfect, holy environment. One in which my tongue can't fully tell and our minds can't fully comprehend. A place where there is no sickness, no pain, no, no tears, no nothing. This perfect place Jesus was with. He was receiving all of the praise from the heavenly beings. They were acknowledging his lordship. They were bowing at his feet. And what happens 10 months later, or right after that, and then begins that 9 to 10 month process of Jesus being born? And where is he placed? On a throne? Certainly they would have brought out a great throne and, and had, it, had one that was ivory and overlaid even with gold and beset with jewels. Certainly they would have a crown to place on his head and a scepter to put in his hand. Certainly there would be a royal cord in which all that would want could come and behold the majesty of this king. Certainly there would be people that would be singing and, and playing praises and, and worshiping him. Certainly he would have quite an audience. Certainly that would be the scenario for a king. It couldn't be further from it. You see, the only songs of praise that would have been sung at that time after the angels had left would have been maybe the braying of a donkey or the sound of the animals that were probably waiting for that baby to get out so they could have a meal. You know, the only people that would have been there to praise him were an interesting group of people, not the priests, not the religious class, not the cream of the spiritual crop. But shepherds who were thought so lowly of by the religious class. That's who God announced. There wasn't a royal scepter in his hand. There wasn't a throne for him to sit on. There was not a crown placed over his head. You know, I tell you, it's a strange place for a king. But even if we, even if the world, let's pretend for a moment that the world knew this child would be born. Let's pretend for a moment that the spiritual sensitivities of, of the religious people in Jesus' day were so keen that they started building, cleaning up the temple, brushing off Solomon's throne. Let's just pretend for a moment that they would have done their very best to make the most beautiful and glorious place. I tell you, the greatest and most beautiful most glorious or majestic, the greatest place that would be fit for a king would still have looked like a convenience store bathroom for the king of kings. The greatest efforts on our part to do our very best to represent a place that would be fitting for him still would have fallen woefully short of what he had left and what he was worthy of. Guys, this reminds me of something. Jesus, from the very beginning... It was always God's plan to bring his son into a position of lowliness. You see, Jesus didn't come to scrape the spiritual cream off of the top. Jesus came to literally drag the depths 
of humanity. See, we serve a God, we worship a God. We came in here to praise a God who is not distant from our pain. Who, who cannot be acquainted with our loss or lack of what, what we don't have. We have a God that when we cry out in our lowest position in life, if we, if we are needing food, we can call out to a God who knows what it's like to be hungry. If we need uh, protection, we can call out on a God who knows what it's like to spend the first years of his life as a vulnerable baby in the hands of human people. We can serve and worship a God who knows what it's like to hurt, who knows what it's like to be rejected. We can serve a God because he did not scrape the spiritual cream off the top, but because he literally drugged the depths of humanity, he has experienced the very low of the low from the very beginning jesus christ drug the very depths of humanity why so he could be available and approachable so none of us could say well my god my god is untouched my god wouldn't understand none of us because of the condescension of Jesus Christ, none of us can say truthfully that God doesn't understand. It's not just this, it's not just this, yeah, this uh, divine knowledge that he has in his head. It's a, it's a knowledge based from experience in life. The best of heaven endured the very worst of the world so that he could be aware and we could be approachable i want you to see the second thing it's a strange place for a king no doubt but it is a perfect place for a savior a perfect place for a savior somebody tell me outside of a messiah what do you put in a feed trough Food. Is it food for you? No, if it, if it all works out well, it will be later. Right? <laughs> right? We don't put... L- let, me, let me just say it like this. Jesus placed in a feed trough was absolutely the most brilliant, the most beautiful thing i can imagine at christmas in john 6 35 what did jesus tell the people i am the bread of life friends please hear this what you put in the feed trough is sacrificed from the very beginning I mean, the very first moments when Jesus began to breathe air, the moment air began to pass in and out of his lungs, from that very moment, Jesus was placed in a sacrificial position. He came, literally, 
And in the moment when they placed him there in that place, no doubt, I'm sure that they weren't thinking, well, here it's a sacrifice. I'm sure it had nothing to do with that. It was just God in his infinite provision and in his, in his mystery. He wanted us to be able to see now later, looking back on it, that, hey, you know what? My son, I've taken God, I've taken Jesus, my only son. I placed him in the womb. And then from the womb, my eternal son has been set in a place that will sustain animals. That food that goes into that trough is given for the purpose of sustaining and giving life to all those who will eat. It is sustained. Jesus said that we, he is the bread of life. He promised us that. He told us that if we would eat of him, we would never be hungry. Jesus, that baby laying in the manger, that baby laying in the feed trough is not just a pretty picture for our our nativities it's not just a a wonderful idea of the humility of god and his divine condescension the fact that god laid his son in a manger in a feeding trough speaks volumes that god was ready and willing to sacrifice His Son for the spiritual sustenance of sinners. Wow, God, are you kidding me? That you and I, through faith, can come to Christ. Man, what a picture it is, guys, because really when it comes down to it, aren't we a lot of spiritual oxen and donkeys? Seriously. That Jesus Christ would give himself for us. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples? Luke twenty two nineteen. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body as he handed out. The bread, something I don't want you to forget. The life of Jesus was entirely about sacrifice. From the cradle or the manger, all the way to the grave. You know, the video did a pretty good job of outlining something. How similar how he came into this world and how he died. How similar the cradle and the grave really were. How he came in just wrapped in a few clothes. How the way he came and the way he left both did not represent a king. How both times there was a very small audience of believers that were surrounding him. Notably his mother was there with him all the way through. It should also be noted that both at his birth and at his death, he was announced that he is the king of the Jews. Friends, this time of year, it's easy for us to have a head knowledge of Jesus. Many of us have heard the stories, the Christmas stories for a long time. We may remember our grandma or grandpa reading uh, to us on on the night of Christmas Eve. You might remember your own family traditions of hearing the story or 
setting up the nativity or decorating the tree and and all and talking with your family about all of the parts of the Christmas story. You may even remember Charlie Brown Christmas. I know some people have even told me that they've memorized that section out of Luke just because they've listened to that Charlie Brown Christmas story so often. But let me tell you about something, guys. It is quite possible. It is highly probable even that you can have a very good head knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and still never know him as your personal Lord and Savior. There is a big difference. There's a big difference to being able to look at this nativity and point out which one's Jesus. And being able to know that that same Jesus Christ lives right here. You may be going through life. You may hear me talk about about dragging the depths of humanity. And you may say this morning, Pastor, that's not me. Pastor, things are going great. I've gotten a promotion in my job. I'm living the dream, Pastor. Let me tell you something, friend. You may be living the dream in theory. But without Christ, it's nothing. That child, that baby that grew up to sacrifice for you, to be your sacrifice, to be your spiritual sustenance as a sinner, for for that child to not live in here, friend, if you have all the world it can give you, but you don't have Christ, you truly have nothing. Maybe you're saying this morning, Pastor, I've celebrated Christmas, but something's just missing. Pastor, it seems on the outside that everything is going great in my life, but something's still missing. Let me tell you what that something is. That something that's missing is a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. For unto you this day, born in the city of David, is Christ the Lord. He came today. He came to save us today. And I'm going to ask you a very important question. This could be the very, the very, the most important Christmas you've ever celebrated in your entire life. Because today, this may be the moment that Christ stops just being a head knowledge and starts being a heart relationship with the Savior of the world. The Bible tells us, makes very clear, that every one of us are sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says even our best deeds are as filthy rags before God. Thankfully that if he was to come to scrape the cream of the top off, none of us would be there. We were all at the bottom. We were all varying degrees of unholy. But I'm going to ask you this morning, if you know that you have never trusted Christ, can you say in your heart, Lord, today I know I'm a sinner. I do not doubt that. I know that I have lied. I have cheated. I have stolen. I have not just done things I shouldn't have, but I have not done things that I should have. I am a sinner and I stand in need today of salvation. And the very next step, friend, could you say, God, I know and I believe that Jesus Christ is your only son and that he came to the earth Through Mary's womb, placed in a manger, went to a cross to die, to pay the penalty for my sins, to pay the price that I could not pay. And today, right now, I receive Him by faith to be my Lord and Savior. Friend, that is the greatest 
greatest Christmas present you can ever receive is new life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. And as I pray this morning, when I say amen, that's going to be our time of response. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. Maybe you made you prayed that for the first time this morning. Maybe in your heart you said, you know, I know something was missing. Today was the day I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, to forgive me of my sins. And you know what? We want to celebrate with you on that. That is, not, there is, that is exciting news to us. We love to be able to share when people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you have not just lost the true meaning of Christmas, but you've really put God on the back burner. Maybe you have just really set him aside. And today God has been working on your heart to say, you know what? I've got plans for your life. You know what? I've got great big plans for your life. And today I want you to be able to receive those. Maybe it's a time of prayer. Maybe you just want to come forward. Maybe it's church membership. Maybe it's baptism. I don't know. But you know what? I've got guys here that will be willing and eager to walk with you through that process and help you be able to answer some of those questions. 